Welcome to the Abundant Wellness with Andrea podcast from surviving to thriving in mind, body, and spirit. Hey there, I'm Andrea Jones, registered nurse, functional hormone coach, inner healing and deliverance pastor, and most importantly, wife and mother of two beautiful girls. This podcast is really a conversation about how to discover and walk in an abundant life that God has laid out for us while processing what I call the messy middle, pain and overcoming things in our life that are hard in order to nurture all of the parts of you so that you can walk in abundant wellness in all areas. Hello, everybody. We have the incredible privilege of having Sheila Zelmer here today. Sheila is a pelvic physiotherapist, instructor for pelvic health solutions, and intimacy coach. So thank you so much for being here today, Sheila. Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. I know this, I feel like we've been talking about, you know, having this conversation for a long time and we've dialogued back and forth. And so I'm just so thankful that you're here today um, to dialogue with me, um, share a little bit about your expertise um, for women's health and how that impacts not only their physical day-to-day function, um, but also our emotional health and our spiritual health even, and how that kind of all uh, entwines together. So would you mind sharing with us a little bit about who you are, who you help, and we'll kind of just roll with it from there. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. This is great. Um, so my name is Sheila and I am a pelvic physiotherapist. So I'm in Canada in the Toronto area. And so in Canada, we call ourselves physiotherapists, but um, in the United States and other parts of the world, we might be called a physical therapist. And so my training and background really is on dealing with women's issues below the waist. So when we talk about issues that are intervaginal, rectal, Mm -hmm. within the pelvis, the muscles, the joints, the ligaments, and all of those structures. So it usually falls into categories of things like bladder function, Mm -hmm. it falls into sexual function, but then also things like um, some pelvic pain conditions that women can experience, Mm -hmm. things like endometriosis, adenomyosis, and then life related changes, pregnancy and having a baby, perimenopause and menopause and beyond. So sort of that whole gamut there. Um, And that's what I focus on. And there's a lot of overlap with sexual function, which is why I went on to do the sex therapy program to be able to sort of have a holistic view of all of what that Mm -hmm. looks like physically, emotionally, and relationally. Yeah. That is amazing. And I think especially this is just, this is, these are the things we don't get to talk to our gynecologist about, right? Or we talk to them about it and they say, oh, that's normal. Like I remember when I, with my, technically it was my fourth pregnancy, second viable pregnancy. Um, and I was high risk. And I remember talking to the perinatologist about how I was peeing my pants and how I like, like, I just like, things are just not normal down there. And she's like, yep, there's no way to fix it outside of surgery. And, you know, they're not, because it's it's still considered a cosmetic surgery, not a necessary procedure that then you just kind of go on to think like, I just have to spend the rest of my life. Like this can't also, can't also be good for the pregnancy either, because I'm sure that my ligaments are affected. I'm sure that this isn't just muscular. Do you know what I mean? And so 
it creates this gap or this void in our healthcare where we either say, okay, I need to go looking for something else, which usually we don't do unless we're really, really uncomfortable or we're having like prolapse or something. Um, or we just say, I guess this is just how things are going to be. So, um, so I know that that is like probably part of the fire that fuels what you do. So would you mind sharing a little bit about starting with like the physical impact of pelvic floor issues, and then we'll kind of talk about emotional and spiritual and just kind of go with it that way. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, when we think about some of the things you were talking about, any of these issues that can happen uh, to a woman over the course of her lifespan, the reality is the incidence is quite high. One in three women will have bladder leakage at some point in their life. One in four women have difficulty with intimacy and penetration. Um, we're going to have 40% of women after menopause are going to experience prolapse. And the stats go on and on and on. But the reality is only 8% of women say anything to their healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. There's this gap because we... A, maybe don't have anyone to talk to, or maybe if we're talking to our aunts or mothers or older sisters, they have always been taught that this is something you just have to live with, right? So there's this huge impact on how we feel as women and what we are entitled to from a health perspective. And then there's a massive gap in the healthcare system itself. There's a lack of research and knowledge about what to do. And so it just perpetuates the cycle. But like you said, it impacts pregnancy, like in order to be able to support pregnancy, to not have back pain, to not have bladder leakage, because the research says that when we have these things in pregnancy, they persist later, right? So why yep. can't we have a preventative mindset? And that's really a lot of what we do. And so from a physical perspective, that can look like um, exercises, but it's also even zooming out a little bit broader and looking at lifestyle. You can't have good bladder function if you're not well hydrated. You can't have proper bowel function if you don't eat enough fiber, right? Whether that's vegetable or grain-based or whatever it is for your lifestyle. But we also need to look at sleep and movement and all of these things. So from a physical perspective, a pelvic physiotherapist is not only going to look just within the vagina and rectum, but at your whole body as a whole. And that's really important if we really want to move forward and make changes, not just band-aids, because if it is just a matter of saying, well, wear a pad, that isn't a solution, right? That really is just band-aiding a problem and perpetuating it. Exactly. And, you know, and I'm just thinking of within the medical system and I am, I'm a nurse, so I was trained in conventional medicine, right? And there's still even within nursing, and I, I feel like nurses were actually probably the most holistic, holistically trained yeah. um, professionals in that kind of medical system. Um, but even then, like you go to a, an OBGYN, you go to a perinatologist, whatever. And um, if it doesn't kind of fit in their box, right? It's almost like you don't get help unless you're really on the extreme end of the expect the spectrum. At least that's been my experience and the experience that I'm seeing with my clients. Whereas if we can catch those symptoms, you know, way early on, like I wish that I had started working on this in my very first pregnancy in that second trimester, when I started to have to cross my legs to, to sneeze, you know, right. um, or when I full on 
peed my pants at Fred Meyer. Like, I wish that I had known that that wasn't actually going to resolve itself after I gave birth. It was going to get worse and that there were things that I could do to resolve that. And so I think just what I'm kind of hearing from you is there's a much better way that we can be taking care of this and having that holistic approach where somebody looks at what are you eating? Um, how are you sleeping? How's your stress level? Because stress will play, you know, it's not called stress incontinence for, you know, for no reason. And it's not just about the pressure in your pelvic floor, right? It's also about the physiologic stress that we're carrying. And so yeah. as you're working with women, what do you see is the physical and emotional impact of some of these issues? Yeah. So when we think of a muscle, so if we're talking about the muscles in our thighs, it's easy to sort of think about a muscle being uh, too weak and therefore it doesn't do its job. And so our thought process is I need to do some exercises to strengthen it, but our pelvic floor muscles, and these, this is a group of muscles that starts in the pubic bone at the front and goes all the way to the back where the tailbone is. So almost the shape of a basket maxi pad mm -hmm. sort of shape. That's where these muscles exist. And they're within inside the body. Their job is to provide bladder and bowel control. They provide lift to prevent things like prolapse. They act as a stabilizer with the rest of our core and they have a sexual function, but these muscles are not like your thigh muscles. So, you know, you're sitting in a chair right now, Andrea, your thigh is relaxed because you don't need it to work. But when it's time to get out of the chair, your brain tells your thigh squeeze, and that's what lifts you off. But our pelvic muscles are what we call autonomic. They're working behind the scenes, much like your heart is. So you're not asking your heart to pump. You can't pause it. And your pelvic muscles are the same. They're working all the time. If not, you'd be peeing sitting here right now. But the same things that increase our heart rate when we are stressed, when we are rushing, when we don't sleep well, when we are anxious and worried about something also give us dysfunction in the pelvic floor. Oh. And the reality, yeah. And the reality is a lot of women think that if I'm having pelvic floor issues like leakage, like prolapse, that I need to do Kegel exercises, I need to squeeze. But the challenge is the research actually says the majority of women have too much tension in our pelvic yes. floor. Yeah. And yes. so if we do Kegels, it makes it worse, right? So understanding that it is more than just simply squeezing these muscles that's necessary to get proper function. Absolutely. And so that's that emotional health too. acknowledging that when we are redlining it, these things like leakage, pain, heaviness are going to feel amplified. Yeah. No, I love that you talked about that because I think it was your, one of your reels where you talked about that. And I was like, no way. Um, because I have been really frustrated in the past with like, I'm doing all the Kegels. Like I can't even like get any kind of, there's no connection happening there. And it wasn't until I started working on my abdominal core and my stress that I was actually able to engage my pelvic muscles. But I love what you said about, um, about it being too tight, because a lot of times I would guess without being the expert in this, cause you're the expert in this, I would guess that, um, just like we clench our muscles or our jaw when we're under stress or our, you know, our neck muscles will start to tighten up. It's a physiologic response that we're not always aware of. Right. And so I would Absolutely. imagine that the pelvic floor is similar to that. 
Absolutely. It responds without our awareness. And actually, there's a lot of research about the clenching of the jaw and the clenching of the pelvic floor. Oftentimes, we can let the pelvic floor go by simply unclenching the jaw. Many of us don't wow. even realize that we're holding our pelvic floor. But again, mm -hmm. that is just, again, a physical sign that is then tied to some of that emotional and stress component that's there. So it's so hard to separate one from the other. You really can't address it without all of it. Exactly. And I think that that's where, you know, similar to similarly to how we address hormones, like we can do all the things I can tell you to eat all the vegetables, I can tell you to go, you know, make sure you're going to bed at nine o'clock every night. But if we're not addressing, not only the physiologic stress you're having in your body, but the emotional stress, mm -hmm. and how you're processing it, you're really only going to get that partial right? Like partial traction, like 80% healing instead of hundred percent. And so when you're working with somebody, whether that be, you know, in your clinic or in one of your, you know, coaching practices, how do you kind of holistically address that with them to make sure that they're looking at all of those different pieces? Yeah. So, you know, the interesting thing with that stress is that when we're having any kind of dysfunction, so when these muscles are not doing their job properly, it shows up in a very physical sort of way. And that itself can be stressful. So, you know, the example of a woman who can't do an aerobics class because she's leaking pee. Well, now she's going to be thinking, okay, I'm going to go pee right before the class starts. You know, I have to wear black tights because, you know, anything else and you're going to be able to see the pee. And oh. now everybody wants to go for coffee afterwards, but now I'm worried I smell like pee. Like there's all this stress and thought and then maybe I'm going to decide, maybe I don't, I'm not going to go to the class anymore because I can't mm -hmm. do all of those things. And that very stress and emotional thought process then further perpetuates the urgency and the frequency and the leakage that happens. And the same thing happens in the bedroom. If I'm worried that sex is going to be painful, my mm -hmm. body is tensing up and I am um, going to have discomfort and pain before we even engage in any kind of physical intimacy in anticipation. So you really do have to address both of those things, but it starts by really unpacking what's going on in your thought process. And that's really what I spend a lot of time with women understanding. How is this showing up in your life and what is it preventing you from doing and really unpacking what the impact of that is on you emotionally and spiritually for sure. Absolutely. And I, I love that you address that because these are things, you know, even just me getting in, you know, into my late thirties that I'm like, okay, these are things I've made some progress in, but need to address more. And a huge part of that was addressing the physiologic stress in my life and how I was holding that in my body. And am I actually managing that? Am I taking care of that? Um, and it's, it's so much more than just here's five exercises you can do before sex, right? Or here's five exercises you can do to make sure that when you sneeze, you don't pee your pants. Like it's so much more involved than that. And I think those are great tools and strategies, but really there does come a point where you have to work with somebody to really uncover what the issues are for you right? Yeah. Because those are going to be very different from person to person. For sure. um, and so how would you say, you know, I think we've kind of, we've kind of touched on this from like the emotional perspective. Um, but have you observed in your practice, I'm just curious, um, the connection like between hormone imbalances, you know, when you're recognizing that there's imbalance in the body and how that affects 
pelvic floor health or sexual health or intimacy. And can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, when we think about um, the two major times, so other than puberty, if we think about the two major times in a woman's life where she's going to go through significant hormonal change, so pregnancy, postpartum, as well as that perimenopause to menopause and postmenopausal phase, you know, when we have any kind of hormonal changes, you are absolutely going to have some kind of a manifestation in the pelvic area. So the entire pelvic floor, all of the genitourinary system. So that is um, the urethra where the urine comes out of the bladder, the walls of the vagina, the rectum, the opening of the rectum, this entire area, along with the clitoris and the labia and all of these areas are very rich in hormone receptors. So when we have a decline, we absolutely will have some something show up there. It can be as uh, simple, not, not necessarily easy, but as simple as something like dryness. So, you know, after having a baby, mm -hmm. um, especially with breastfeeding, it's very normal to have a loss of estrogen. So the same hormones that produce milk really suppress estrogen. And that's going to show right. up as dryness and tightness, um, a thinning of the walls of the vagina, maybe it's going to bleed, it's going to feel sore with penetration, a woman might experience more urgency and frequency, because these hormones that are designed to um, make everything sort of stable are not in balance. But that mm. is, again, a very temporary scenario in pregnancy and breastfeeding, but it can persist for decades in a perimenopause to postmenopausal woman, but you get the same sort of things. I mean, it can get to the point that penetration is quite painful. Uh, bowel movements can cause fissuring and cracks and things like that, mm -hmm. um, as well as changes in our orgasm, arousal, all of that, because those hormones right. are doing their job to bulk things up. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. And it's one of, one of the reasons why I love collaborating with you, because I know that, you know, we can do so much work on the hormone balancing and balancing cortisol and estrogen and progesterone, especially in those critical phases, right? Where it, it is critical that we understand what's going on in the body during perimenopause. So we can set somebody up for a really healthy menopause, but how we distinguish, how I distinguish, you know, what's physical quote unquote versus physiological is we've done all of those things and there's still pain. There's yeah. still discomfort. There's still dryness. And that's when I start to look at, okay, I'm not a physiotherapist, but this is where I start to kind of go through my analysis of, okay, is there trauma? Has there been trauma to the pelvic region, whether that be through a C-section or a traumatic birth or some other sexual trauma? Um, is there an emotional trauma that's been stored in that region? Because we know that body, the body keeps the score, right? The body's going to yeah. store that trauma. And so, um, so how do you, as, you know, as a practitioner, not make a diagnosis because we don't diagnose, right? But how do you make that assessment of, of when it's not just hormonal and when it's maybe emotional or, or spiritual or trauma, et cetera? Yeah. So, you know, it's really interesting because I think, I don't know that you can necessarily separate it in that sense. You know, when we think about the very, um, 
like from a biopsychosocial spiritual framework, the bio aspect. So whether we're addressing the hormones, um, sometimes uh, speaking to some of the things that we've just discussed, like especially like the thinning, the dryness, etc. We can have good balancing of hormones systemically, but be estrogen deficient locally within the vagina. And so, yeah, and that's a very interesting thing. And so um, the North American Menopause Society has some good literature about that. And so there can be a role that's not that's beyond my scope for uh, bioidentical yes. uh, vaginal estrogens and things like totally. that in certain certain populations. And so if that piece has been addressed, you know, the right kind of moisturizer for the vagina or a lubricant, you know, there's enough um, skill and acumen between partners for arousal and libido and yeah. all that. And yet there's still physically pain or there's still tightness, then we do need to, instead of going bottom up, we need to think top down, what's happening emotionally, mm-hmm. dealing with, like you said, trauma, is that showing up in the body? Is there a role for counseling? Is there a role for therapy to sort of understand yes. some of these components? Because you can't separate one from the other, especially because these muscles are autonomically innervated. They are responding to our yes. thoughts and emotion. Yeah. This is why when we're younger and we are nervous about something, we feel like we have to right like that's a very normal thing well that persists even as we get older right or we might suddenly feel like I gotta go you know have a bowel movement right like we feel that nervousness because we're responding to stress and worry um and it can also be to trauma too for sure and there can be medical trauma too like in all of this right there's so much it's very complex yeah It, it is and I think this is where having those more tender conversations, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because sometimes we're not even aware of it. Like I actually, so I had two miscarriages back to back between my girls and one was twins that just didn't develop normally from the beginning and probably chromosomal and, you know, still, yeah, still, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not minimizing the impact of that on my body. I'm just saying like there was the medical component that maybe uh, would never have developed healthily from the very beginning. And then there was the second that was a totally normal developing baby. But then I had an intrauterine hemorrhage early on in the pregnancy. Mm. And both of those were traumatic in different ways um, for the numerous reasons that it, that it is right. And so I noticed um, that thinking about it, what, like, even now, when I think about it, I can actually feel my uterus. Like, I I know that that sounds weird, but I feel like the tension in my uterus, my uterus remembers. And I know that that sounds woo woo and weird, but that's actually how God made us because we're not, we cannot separate our emotional experience and our spiritual experience Mm -hmm. from our physical experience. And so when somebody, because I know that this is common one in four, probably closer to one in three women experiences a miscarriage at some point in their life or a traumatic birth. And we can't separate, we can recover from the trauma, right? We can recover from the physical. I was able to, you know, have another baby. Yay. Amazing. Awesome. Not discounting the miracle that that is. Um, but then there's also the emotional Mm-hmm. walking through the grief of that and healing from that and the spiritual aspect of how do we process that through our faith lens, right? That yes. can be impacted by that. And so, um, so I think it's important to have those tender conversations. And especially I've noticed this more 
um, with my clients who have endometriosis, then, um, and not necessarily the ones that also have infertility, like secondary infertility due to mm-hmm. the endometriosis, but just endometriosis in general, mainly because of the medical trauma of not getting help. Yes. And the many, many, many years. So most of the women that I work with are in their early thirties and they have been suffering for upwards of 10 years with endometriosis. And it breaks my heart even Mm -hmm. to say that because I'm like, how, how much do these women have to be suffering before they get somebody who will listen to them? And most of these women, probably similar to you, it's been 10, 15 years before they even show up on your doorstep. And so a lot of it is, yes, we're going to deal with the hormones, but we also have to deal with, you know, forgiving your provider for not helping you. That's a big one. And your body shutting down because it's a defense mechanism, right? I can't go into this appointment and expect help because I never get help. And Mm -hmm. so there is, that's the correlation I see, like from a physical standpoint that we actually have to address that and allow your body to release that tension that's being stored in the body. I don't know if you see a similar, you know, a similar pattern, but I do see that a lot with endo. Yes. And so I deal with a lot of women with uh, pelvic pain conditions. So endometriosis, adenomyosis, but even things like interstitial cystitis, um, other issues and things like that, that again, there is, there's a sexism and an ageism in our medical system. And like you said, decades before um, women are getting answers, but holding space for a woman to share her story, even like Andrea, thank you for sharing your story with your infertility, like your struggles there in the middle, you know, between pregnancies, because that is part of the healing journey and really acknowledging that that is necessary, but because many women either feel that they have to tamp all that down and not talk about it or don't have a safe space to be able to share. Right. But that, that is part of that journey to allow light in to heal that. Um, And so definitely I see a lot of that. And, you know, I, I work with a lot of women um, that are experiencing things like vaginismus, et cetera. So struggles with sexual function, and there can be a lot of shame that goes with that too. So understanding, you know, can I even talk to my doctor about the fact that I can't have sex? Well, just have a glass of wine is often the the advice that they're given, which is, it's so disrespectful, but it just, it's not a solution, right? And so I think really coming from a heart of listening and caring, I think goes so far uh, to allow true healing to occur, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and it also gives room for understanding their personal resistance to healing because Mm -hmm. a lot of times we're not even aware of our, of our own resistance to healing because of our past experiences. Right. And so when we allow that room to say, you know, what was that like for you, you know, to have, like, most of them have never allowed themselves to actually feel the, like the grief and the sadness. And I'm not just talking about miscarriage. I'm talking about the grief and the sadness of going to your doctor with a legitimate concern and having the door effectively shut in your face, you know? Yeah. And, um, how dishonoring that is. And so we just learn to shut it down because 
what other choice do you have? You know, it, it just becomes this cyclical thing. And so allowing space even for grief to happen so that the body can, can relax mm-hmm. and release that, you know, the, it's not just emotional tension. It's also chemical because our, our biochemistry responds to what our emotions are, are going through. For sure. And, for sure. and yeah. we can't separate those three things from each no. other. And so no. That's really good. Yeah. And, you know, I think like I, I did a recent reel about this, the whole notion of listen to your body. And the reality is, I feel like as a society, we're not good at that because we've been told by authority figures that you're just fine. Right. And so if we don't listen to that internal wisdom, then we start ignoring it or just pretending it's not there so it does take working with a practitioner that you develop a sense of trust with that there is a sense of safety with to be able to go there to let that go right the physical the emotional the spiritual so that you can move forward right and that's part of the work that we're doing right absolutely and you know one thing that i um i love that you said that because it brought something to mind and one of the things that when I'm doing my, you know, kind of pre work with me assessment, are we a good fit to work together? Can I help you? That kind of thing. Uh, one of the things we'll ask, you know, we, I do ask about libido and sex drive and intimacy and all of that stuff, because it's a huge indicator, not only of hormone imbalances, but emotional health and, um, and that physical health that's going on in the body. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> whenever we see vaginal dryness, vaginal pain, uh, pain with intimacy, et cetera. The very first thing I'll ask is how is your relationship with your partner? Because if you don't feel safe emotionally, I'm not talking about safe physically, but if you don't feel safe emotionally, the chances of you actually being able to connect sexually, um, I'm sure you, this is, you know, this is your thing, but it's like, you're not going to orgasm. Like you're not no, going to. No, and, you're not even going to become aroused. And so then, right. and I mean, I see so many women that get then trapped in this cycle of right. going through the motions yeah. or faking mm-hmm. it or you know, then on the other end of the spectrum, just completely taking any kind of physical intimacy off the table, they go to bed at a different time than their partner, they've, you know, got a headache or whatever it is. And there's this disconnection. And that can be a really scary place to start asking questions and getting curious about because this is deep work that we're talking about here too, you know, Mm -hmm. but it is, that's the connection because we're, there has to be that. And it, the interesting thing is a lot of research has said that libido is not just hormonal. We think that there's this huge right. hormonal aspect, but you have women that are well past their menopausal years that have a very healthy libido in the absence of the hormones, because they have this uh, physical connection and really like libido and that desire for intimacy is so much more than physical. There has to be this playfulness, this sort of friendship, Um, with your partner Mm -hmm. that has to exist there and if there is no safety emotional safety there how do you begin to let your hair down and be playful and be yourself and enjoy that passion outside of the bedroom because it has to be outside of the bedroom it can't just be in the bedroom right yeah right right and that that requires a lot more of your partner too right because it means us kind of pushing them into that place of accountability and growth where we're saying hey I can't enjoy this unless this issue that's happening outside of the bedroom is resolved. And I know that we, you know, we've gone, every couple goes through different 
stages in their relationship. You go through hard things, right? When our daughter was diagnosed with pandas, that was a huge, I mean, flipped our life upside down. Mm -hmm. And we both responded to that differently. And, um, in both of us in good and bad ways, right? Because you're just trying to, to get through and how that impacted our physiology and our intimacy um, was something that we had to talk about, like, Hey, you not addressing how this, this family situation is impacting you is making me feel emotionally unsafe. And that is now correlating to me, not wanting to be intimate with you. And it's, I think it's important to have this conversation because we think of sex as just in the bedroom. And even though we know it's not, and all the books written for women say that it's not right, but we have to, then it kind of forces us into that position of having to have the more tender conversations about, you know, with our, our partner and then addressing how quickly they are or are not going to work through that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think just like you said, it's so much more than just doing Kegel exercises or, or, or taking hormones or using lube, right? Like when we, when we approach things from a purely physical standpoint, especially when we're talking about sex and intimacy, having desire, having um, a, interest in being intimate, we really do have to acknowledge that for the majority of women, not all that our desire is what we call responsive, right? It is not simply that we see our partner and that we're immediately turned on, although that can be the case. It really is several contexts that are all lined up, circumstances, um, bonding, relationship, etc. And when everything is sort of lined up the right way, um, then desire can grow from that. But it really is two people. But it also requires that as women that we understand what it is that is the formula for us, right? Because mm-hmm. what is the right combination of um, connection and playfulness and romance and sexual innuendo and like teasing is different for me than for you than for somebody else. So it really right. does take that time to understand. And again, we have not had good education about this. We okay. have not had good like leadership or anyone to talk to about this. So when we change and create a space where women can talk about it, it really has a huge impact. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I know that I have been, you know, blessed and impacted by what you're sharing and your philosophy of pelvic floor health and just love seeing how you're helping women to thrive, um, to thrive in this, you know, in this kind of like uncharted territory and, you know, really creating a path for women to follow, I think is really what you're doing. And it's, it's amazing and beautiful because you have just added your own, your own flair to it. And so I, I love that. And would you mind sharing with people maybe, you know, some things as a practitioner that you would be like, these are things that you need to reach out for help for. Like these are kind of some warning signs that you need to get some help in this area. Um, and then how they can connect with you. Oh, absolutely. That's great. So I would say for sure, if we on a very simplistic level, any kind of pain is never normal. So if you have pain, inserting a tampon pain with any kind of sexual activity or sexual stimulation, pain with urinating, pain with the bowel movement, that always warrants attention for sure. But also anytime the system is not functioning, 
optimally. So if you um, are leaking pee, even a couple of drops when you cough or sneeze, these are things that worsen with age. So definitely getting it addressed. But also if you're peeing more frequently than I'm going to say seven times in 24 hours, normal bladder function is about a two to three hour capacity. So we really do want to have the ability to delay that kind of voiding. But if you're running to the toilet more often, that would also warrant attention. So really, that's sort of the big things. I really do from a preventative standpoint, like we're used to going to the dentist for regular checkups, I would really encourage women, especially at any hormonal changes, you know, so when you have a child, if you do not have children, when you are um, noticing some hormonal changes associated with the perimenopause journey, um, after you reach menopause, these are all times that I would encourage women to have a check, even one visit to determine What are your muscles like? Where are your organs positioned? How is your core functioning as a unit? How can you optimize your health with the good things you're already doing? That's really what I would recommend. Yeah. That's amazing. And so helpful because honestly, like I said, if you go to your, your OBGYN and they're just like, Oh, you're fine. You, you know, you passed your checkup or your C-section scar is healing nicely. And that's the only thing they're addressing. Then we don't really know what to look for. And so Um, That's actually really helpful information for me as well. Um, So what are some ways I know you are very, um, you're amazing at educating on Instagram, but why don't you share like the best place, uh, best places to contact you? um, If somebody's listening and saying, yep, that's totally me. I need some help. Amazing. Okay. So for sure, I'm on Instagram and I've got a lot of free resources that you can sort of uh, check out there, some videos and things like that. But my website has uh, a few different free guides that you can download, some video lectures and things like that. And my website is SheilaZelmer.com. So um, there's lots of stuff that you can uh, find on there, as well as a way to reach out to me. And if anyone's interested, uh, you can even book uh, like a free 15 minute consult call and we can chat about some things too. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sheila, for sharing your time, your expertise and your heart for women. Um, And not just, you know, not just physical, but emotional and spiritual health as well. I just want to thank you for your time today. And I'm excited to, to get women some more help in that direction. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much. This has been great. I appreciate it.